This is an NAC podcast. Welcome to the We Love Canadian Music Podcast. I'm your host, NAC Presents Executive Producer, Heather Gibson. We Love Canadian Music brings you up-close and personal interviews with Canadian musicians on far-ranging topics from life on the road to the artists they find most inspiring. Join us every two weeks for a new interview. So, Amanda Lowe, um, mm-hmm. we are going to talk a little bit about your music, but we're going to talk a lot about you, hopefully. Okay. Um, so, you were born in Sri Lanka. Yeah. Yeah. And did you live there or was it just a born and gone kind of? Uh, we lived there for about three, four years. Right. Um, and then we moved to the States for two years and then moved to Montreal and then, and then PEI. And now right. I'm here. And uh, where'd you spend the most time? Where would you say home is? PEI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Charlottetown? Charlottetown, yeah. Yeah. So an Islander. Yeah. yeah. And you're from Halifax? I am from, yeah. uh, well, I lived in Halifax for 25 years. I'm not sure they ever accepted me as being from <laughs> Halifax, but you know how that is out there. They have a, a certain like lineage mm-hmm. that you have to have existed underneath. But, but um, so Charlottetown's home. So, yeah. so uh, do you get back much? Are your family um, still there? No, we've all kind of dispersed across uh, Canada, I mm-hmm. guess I would say. Um, I go as much as possible. i I don't have a lot of you. My friends, most of them have moved or they're traveling a lot. So mm-hmm. there's not a chance to go there and just have a big reunion all the time. Right. Um, so I go as much as I can, probably every two years. Right. But for you, though, in your sort of, your heart of hearts, it's still what you consider to be home. It's always home, yeah. And so what's something about Charlottetown that people don't know? Oh, dear. What makes Charlottetown awesome? You can drive 10 minutes and end up at a beach right. or some body of water to relax near. Um, that's something I take, I took for granted living there and I really miss having clean water (laughs) compared to Ottawa. Um, the, the waters here aren't that safe. (laughs) You mean the rivers and the... The the river, yeah. yeah. Anything, even the beaches is just kind of gross. Um, (laughs) so I don't recommend swimming in them. Um, so I I really miss that. I'm, I'm a very, uh, boat naval person. Mm. Um, so I miss it. Right. And if you were trying to describe to somebody who was in Western Canada or another part of the world what PEI looked like, what does it look like? <laughs> Red clay. <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing that comes that's, to mind. That comes to mind, yeah. I yeah. think that's the most wonderful thing about it. And it right. We have a different texture, not just to the culture, but just uh, yeah. <laughs> of our earth or like ground. Well, and I, I think one of the things too that's interesting about PEI is that um, it's quite flat. Yeah. Where sometimes like say Cape Breton Island or some of the mm. islands in the Gulf Coast, um, they're, they're um, coniferous trees and lots of hills and rocks and sort of almost shield looking, yeah. you know, that sort of part of sort of Thunder Bay, Sudbury looking, but on islands. <laughs> Whereas PEI is a very flat, very flat yeah. and farmland. Yeah. A lot of it's farmland. We have a man-made ski hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a ditch that we um, <laughs> we ski on occasionally, but... Right. 
It does the job. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, and then I think we had a little few of those in the prairies. When I grew up in the prairies, mm-hmm. we had a couple of, wherever there was a bump, we called it a ski hill. <laughs> and uh, well, you have, to have, you have to have some fun, right? Yeah. Um, people who live in, in the Rockies are just spoiled, I think. They are. They're yeah. so lucky. They have beautiful trails. Yeah. Just beautiful water too. I mean, our, our water's great, but it's not, it doesn't look as nice. It's right. not bright blue and... I'm getting the impression you're a water girl. <laughs> I had, yeah. I was in Sea Cadet, so I was in the, Oh, my, okay. I feel like my family, our family history is very um, fisherman oriented too. Right. So what does that mean, Sea Cadets? What do you do in Sea Cadets? Um, you do a lot of stuff. So it, it's kind of like not really training for the military, but it's all the basic things you could do without... Um, Without guns. hurting yourself, yeah, oh. <laughs> without guns. We do shoot like air rifles and 22s for biathlon or right. marksmanship. Um, so each element has their own. So I was in C, so we focus on the basic survival skills and everything. And then on top of it, we learn how to sail um, like small boats and big boats. So everything from 420s to um, whalers. And so is that why you would join Sea Cadets? Like if you were a young girl... And you wanted to join something, Sea Cadets, you would join because you want to learn how to sail? Or is you it- could, or it's it's just a community. That's right. the best part about it. Um, I, I know that a lot of uh, the kids that join it are from either underprivileged um, communities or like broken homes or just it's just somewhere that the parents could put the kids in and know they're in a good spot and um, have role models to look up to. Right. Um, I, I was lucky I did Navy League, which is uh, age eight eight to 12 that mm-hmm. you can do. It's like pre-sea cadets. Okay. Um, and we just learned about how to volunteer in our community. And I think that's kind of why um, kids stay in the program and keep doing um, the work in it. Right. And so, so that, just, that did you find that it was something that developed a sense of volunteerism for yes, you? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, it was kind of bittersweet in the sense where I like, I became, uh, I, I started to overwork mm-hmm. and I, burnt myself out a lot. Uh, so kind of learning my limits was really useful through that. But at the same time, it was amazing because I met so many incredible people through it. And we changed a lot of lives and it it, it was never to get recognition for it. It was genuinely out of, we just love helping our community. And like, it's, it, it's rare to see um, kids so young from ages 12 to 18 volunteering their whole weekend to serve veterans or uh, like, you know, like we'll be, we'd be serving their gala dinners. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd have mess dinners at the legions um, or we'd just be selling other people's um, merchandise to help them raise money for whatever occasion it was or whatever fundraiser it was. So it was just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so that sense of volunteerism has translated for you into things now. And yes. yes. Um, and because you work with something called Girls Rock Ottawa, don't I you? Do. Yeah. yeah. And so can you tell us a bit about what that is? Yeah. So uh, Girls Rock Ottawa, we create um, music-based programming uh, for for girls, um, typically for the for youth, so mm-hmm. ages 12 to 18 with our camp. So it's um, – we <laughs> – but we um, so music based programming for um, young women, and it's not limited to young women. It's also for non-binary youth, um, gender non-conforming youth, and it's open to um, to everybody. And so our flagship, our main event, is uh, the camp that we have every year in November, and the campers 
uh, through one weekend, learn a new instrument, join a band, um, learn one song and perform it at a showcase. And right. yeah, last year it was here at the NAC fourth stage. So right. that was amazing. It was a huge opportunity for them. So, and then on top of that, throughout the year, we offer them opportunities to keep it going because you can't stop there. Right. So the board puts on a bunch of other um, like workshops, uh, jam spaces and other necessary workshops that they're interested in, like vocal workshops and gig planning. So it's really cool. So if you're working with young women, and this is something that, that the music industry that's more on my age, on my where we are, talk a lot about of, of getting young women interested at a young age mm-hmm. and encouraging young women. Um, what do you think the dropping off point is when people say, well, there aren't a lot of young women who are... Um, continuing or pursuing careers as rock and roll bands in the same proportion that men are, I mean, or boys are. Do you mm-hmm. think that that's accurate or is it just something that we need to do more like the, this kind of thing? I'm not, it's a tough question. <laughs> I'm not quite sure whether there's, I feel like there's two drop-off points where there's one when they graduate from high school. Mm-hmm. In high school, you're supported to do arts and school at the same time because it, it looks good on your resume is what they tell you. So right. if you're involved in the, all the areas, it's amazing. So when you're graduating, it's, it's great for you for scholarships, all these things. So I feel like the drop-off point for youth age is then, and then you kind of forget through when you're either you're pursuing college or you start working. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another drop-off point is uh, when people start families or mm-hmm. start settling, settling down, um, they tend to not have enough time to get into it. So there's those two where they're, told they're too busy to to do more than one thing. Right. Or and do you think me. that's different for for young women and versus young men? I think so. They're well just like the same thing as a workforce is like you can't they always tell women that you can't you can't do everything. You can't have a family and work full time. Right. And the same type of way uh, they always make you kind of choose um, whether you want to pursue like academics or you're going to do music. You can never you're never told that you have the option to do both. Right. Um it it does apply for Everyone, but it's harshly enforced for women. Right, because you're at the University of Ottawa. Now? I am, yes. Right. Yeah. So you're doing both. Yes, I'm doing both. So, but when you're in high school, I think the difference too is when I was in high school, we still had band. I don't know that mm-hmm. there's a lot of bands left. They're taking them that, out. The curriculums now. Yeah, so. I think that, and not just here in Ontario. I think that it's slowly been removed, and in some provinces, mm-hmm. it's been removed for for a few years now. So that uh, music and band has become a extracurricular activity. Is that is that Accurate? That's what I, f- yeah, I'm feeling like it is. And like also like parents scare you into saying it's not a, it's not a trustworthy job field to be in. So right. you kind of get worried. You start freaking out about your future. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So there was a, there was a lot of, uh, I, really until I took this job, I think that my parents didn't think I had a job, <laughs> uh, a real job. Um, you know, that, and they, when I used to manage musicians, my mom used to think that my job was taking care of people. Oh. Um, that it was a, you know, and in some cases when you manage musicians, there there isn't definitely an element of that versus, say, booking agents. That's not their role. I mean, it's the manager who gets called at two in the morning when the <laughs> car breaks down on the side of middle of nowhere. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, it's an interesting thing to me of, uh, you know, because then we, the, the next step is the encouragement of um, booking agents and the industry uh elevating certain groups mm-hmm. um, and very often um, there's you know just a plethora of four guys in a band that I could book here um, you know that we get and they're on a lot mm-hmm. of rosters and there's it's a very common um, and there's sort of there, that's that's uh, like I say it's 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 promoted 
um, that sort of thing. Whereas I think sometimes I hear a lot with young women that an agent or a manager or other pro- pro- programmers can't figure out where somebody fits. Yeah, and it's almost true. always a woman um, that they can't figure right. out where the music fits um, because it doesn't fit with that classic rock and roll sound or a classic exactly. pop sound. Um, because right now, I mean, you can do this all the way through through pop music. Mm-hmm. There's a certain female voice right now that is, and that's Alessia Cara, right? There's that, that <laughs> voice that she has <laughs> is replicated across, and that will change, you know, at some point yeah. it's going to change. And, you know, and so they do that. But if you don't have that voice and you don't write that kind of music, mm-hmm. um, then you're you're fighting in a different, you're, you know, a different stream kind of thing. Um and uh, do you do you think that that factors in at all of of just women trying to break the barrier of artistically what they're trying to express is different? Definitely, yeah. It's all about representation, right? At the end of the day, so um, even just as just a regular person that listens to music, if you're exploring different kinds of music and you're sharing it with your friends, that's already helping someone else see themselves more represented in other types of music and just as media in general, working in media, if, we, if we're if we only covering those dudes um, and those bands mm. and nobody's getting to see those amazing other like female artists that are uh, bending the genres and bending sounds and sounding different, make doing their own thing, um, no nobody's going to... It's hard to, to see yourself um, take that same path as them and try to work as hard to get there. You're just going to keep it as a hobby right. at the end of the day you're just like okay well there's nobody doing it nobody else that looks like me the and when you try sometimes you get shut down because you don't look like the dudes or you don't sound like those dudes um that and that or that same genre of music that's it right now right so you get discouraged through it and it's not it's a um half of it is your self-confidence confidence that you have to build up and then the other half is just society kind of bringing you down and telling mm-hmm. you you can't do this or or you you just don't see it. So it's really hard to um, see yourself succeed if um, you've never seen someone that is with your similar story or looks like you kind of kind of push through and also succeed. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's, I have a, a, a speech to give tomorrow night in honor of Tegan and Sarah, and that's part of it, is oh, that wow. of saying that Tegan and Sarah are pro- perhaps for some people um, was the first time they saw themselves. Yeah, um, with true. with those uh, two women who who were just out, there was never any sort of coming out. There was never mm-hmm. any explaining or um, answering these silly media questions of you know how is it going to affect their career. They just yeah. were genuinely who they were, and I think that 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 um, as they're thirty seven now, mm-hmm. um, but which is something that twenty two year old girls are doing now. Not exactly. you know, so they're they they were the start of all of those that kind of change to how. Um, how it was okay to express yourself in 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 that way. Anyways, it's just it it's uh, interesting. I mean, and, and the same thing is true. With, while you were saying that, it was making me think about the fact that it was up until last year that Nina Simone finally got put into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which for me says that there is a woman who had a very unique sound. Um, she didn't sound like anybody, and there's still nobody who sounds like her. Um, you know, and she also had a heck of an attitude. <laughs> she, she was she was her very much her own woman, and mm-hmm. it it cost her on, it, during her career that sort of that continual plowing forward, mm-hmm. um, which is I think probably a, a very difficult path to take. Um, you know, but if people you know, would you agree that that uh, that being true to that art form is is more important 
Are you one of those people who you'll be true to your art form because you are young? People can't see you, obviously, but you're a young woman. Uh, and uh, uh, being true to your art form is more important than necessarily, say, um, great popular success? Yes, definitely. So you'd rather have you'd re- rather be true to your art form and have half a dozen people listen to it than... It, yeah. Right. It sounds cheesy, but at the end of the day, I make music for myself. I don't make it for other people. It's, it's, it's my healing, mm-hmm. um, and I'm hoping through my own healing that it, I can connect with other people. But if I'm not true to my art form, I don't see an, a point in creating art. Um, it is my story that I'm bringing out and that I'm trying to put out. So it, it would just be silly if um, if I didn't stick to that. Right. Right. So. <laughs> well, and it's, it's, you know, I've had some interesting conversations with people who that true to your art form thing. Do you believe that a pop musician is true to their art form? If that's what their art form is, yeah, I like. I always hate that that thing that the like or the music industry does. We like pan genres of music against each other, mm-hmm. and which was that we saw heavily in like the fifties and sixties, yeah. and was starting to just branch out. But now it's kind of coming back a little bit. So, kind of putting more emphasis on like you're cooler if you play rock music, but and experimental music, but um, but you're kind of a sellout if you play pop music. Right. Um, and I've been. I've done that myself, you know, like I've, I've been like, oh, it's like, they're not that great. They're playing pop music. I've, I've been that person before and I had to like check myself and be like, if they love what they're doing, that's all that matters. Um, well, and, and I always like to challenge those people to write a pop song. Yeah. Writing a pop song is really hard. <laughs> yes, you know, there, I know that there's a, there's formulaic and there's repetition and all yeah. this kind of, the same way there is in country music and That's the same true. way there is in most music, you know, mm-hmm. that, that is chorus and verse based. Um, but it's really hard it to is. write a, a hook and to write a, not just a lyrical hook, but also to write a musical hook. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one that isn't taken by someone else already. Right. Right. Where everyone goes, oh, that's just yeah. such and such. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, is this your first time at the four stage? No, I know you were here for Ottawa, the Girls Rock Ottawa, Ottawa, but performing is yes, it? Yes, it is my ah. first time here. Well, I hope you have a wonderful time tonight. Thank and you so um much. and if you haven't had a chance to sound check, I'm sure that um it'll be a great experience for you up there. The the guys are uh, very, very good at what they do and I think you have a full room coming tonight to hear you. So thanks so much for dropping by to see me. Thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Take care.
Thanks for listening to We Love Canadian Music. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast. We hope you'll give NAC Presents a like on Facebook and find us online by searching for NAC Presents. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.